Hello, and welcome to episode three of the Movie Marathoners podcast. I'm your co-host, Mati. And I'm Ian. And today, we are going to be reviewing the latest DCEU superhero film, Shazam. It's got an exclamation mark in it, so every time you say the title of the film, you have to, like, exclaim it, okay? Shazam! Yep, that's the rule. So, since we are dropping this episode before the film officially releases, we're going to be spending a little more time with our spoiler-free thoughts on the film. And then, as always, we'll head into spoiler territory before concluding with our point two section, where we briefly discuss what else we've been watching. So first, let's read a synopsis of Shazam. It's going to get old. We all have a superhero inside us. It just takes a bit of magic to bring it out. In Billy Batson's case, by shouting out one word, Shazam, this streetwise 14-year-old foster kid can turn into the adult superhero Shazam. The film is directed by David F. Sandberg. It's written by Henry Gaiden, and it's starring Zachary Levi, Mark Strong, Jack Dylan Grazier, and Asher Angel. So Ian, this is the, I believe, seventh installment of the, to put it lightly, Falling Apart DCEU. Sure, the Falling Apart DCEU. Yeah, yeah. So um, let's, DCEU. yeah, I was going to say like mixed reception, Oh, something, that's a, something a little, yeah. or a little more like unbiased. I was unbiased, trying to but... think of a word that would fit the tone of the rest of the movies. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So like, like, a, like a crumple cake? Yeah. Crumple cake? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, so what's been your experience with all of the DCU so far? Negative. Oh, oh my God, that was aggressive. <laughs> Completely negative. I haven't seen Aquaman. I have to be honest. So, <laughs> Why I, didn't... I, I heard, I heard that was, I heard that was decent. Who, who'd you hear that from? You. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> no, so I mean, what, what hasn't worked about the DCU for you, or if there was anything that's worked for you, what was it? Like. Um... Why is this such a uh, fluster cuck of a <laughs> cinematic universe? Uh, mainly just the handling of Batman and Superman, I think. Yeah. A bit too dark. And I guess if you've been paying attention to uh, like movie headlines recently, you may have seen that the director of Batman vs. Superman, he directed Justice League, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to say Allegedly. That. Yeah. And, no, yeah, yeah, Man, no, and Man of Steel, Zack Snyder. He was kind of also just like the creative head behind the whole like DCU. Yeah, he had his like toes and everything or yeah. whatever. And he, he came out and said, after like getting criticism for the last few years, he came out and said this past week, you know, people who are criticizing Batman killing people in his movies needs to need to like wake the F up because, you know, it's a dark world. Batman's going to kill people, you know? Yeah. Um, and that, that just rubs me the wrong way why thinking about that because batman doesn't kill people okay you know yeah and i i i see online people all the time are always like oh well actually when he first started out in like the 1940s or whatever batman hung a guy from a plane and he carried a gun but yeah like that was back then and he's evolved to a character where you know it's widely accepted and known that Batman doesn't kill people. He doesn't use guns. And Zack Snyder just sort of ignores all that. So it's just that, like, one thing, that one characteristic that kind of ruins the whole universe for you? Or what's... I mean, it's it's that and... I mean, Superman, too. The same thing with him. Superman kills General (laughs) Zod. And Superman's supposed to be, like, the best of, like, Mm -hmm. all of us. Same with Batman. Like, Batman's supposed to be, be, like, the best of humanity. Superman always finds a way to save the day, and that's what I want to see in the movies, you know? 
don't yeah. want to see a Superman who's like all of us. I want to see a Superman who's better than us. Yeah. Okay. So I think um, I'm just playing complete devil's advocate right now. Yeah. Um, but like we talked a little bit in the first episode of this when we were talking about Captain Marvel, which is a film that you really liked, mm-hmm. that it doesn't really matter if filmmakers take departures from the comic books. So yeah. why is it okay in something like Captain Marvel where they kind of make a a fairly big change to her origin? Yeah. Why is that okay, but this isn't okay? Yeah, I mean, I love Captain Marvel, and as much as I love her, she's not Superman and she's not Batman <laughs> and she's not Wonder Woman. Like, those are the big three in comic books. Those are the big three in everybody's minds when they think of superheroes. And Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, but, you know what I right. mean. Right, yeah. Super, so are Superman's you... the original, and I feel like when you start messing with like defining characteristics of iconic mm-hmm. people or characters like that, then you're gonna get some mixed reactions from people. Okay, so you you're saying it's like not so much that <clears throat> excuse me, not so much that Zack Snyder changed anything. It's kind of that he changed the one thing that makes this character a character. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it, it, yeah, right. So I guess. It'd be sort of like making, well, they did that, but I guess I was going to say making Peter Parker like not a teenager when he yeah. gets his powers or something like that. And I would be fine if Zack Snyder's, like, his rendition of the Justice League was done, like, years down the line. Mm-hmm. But this is the first time that we're getting an on-screen Justice League, the first time we're getting an on-screen Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman all at the same time. Yeah. And I feel like we should get them in all of their glory you know. Okay. Yeah, fair. I mean, that's that's completely valid. I do agree with you that like if you're going to make a change to a comic book character's origin or their personality, it can't be such a change that it completely makes them a different character. Yeah. That seems like almost not really the point. And all in all of the movies, the one thing that's like standing out in my mind the most is in Man of Steel when when Superman refuses to save his dad. Yeah, that really or that or the piss me off so much. Yeah, or the time when Superman's dad is like, "Hey, maybe you should have not saved that bus full of kids so that yeah. you hide your identity." Yeah, it's it goes very much against like the idea of Superman. I mean, that even goes against Pa Kent in the comics. Like, yeah, <laughs> he teaches yeah. Superman how to be Superman. You know. <sighs> yeah, I don't want to get you too flustered, so let's move on. <laughs> so my opinion on the DC EU in general is that like I don't necessarily have a problem with them making Batman or Superman kind of different in some of their beliefs based on or like compared to their comic book counterparts. Mm -hmm. My main problem with the films is that they're in general kind of boring and like not put together that well. Yeah. Like I think if you had a murderous Batman or a murderous Superman, as long as it was like an entertaining and like unique film, I think that would be enough to like, maybe offset that part of me that goes oh hey like that's not exactly what i think the character should be like Mm -hmm. and so far a lot of the dcuu films have been really just boring and not very fun also also like a little bit boring to just look at yeah yeah i mean like they're it's weird they're they're gorgeous in like a christopher nolan kind of way yeah but not in a Guardians of the Galaxy kind of way yeah. where, like, it, yeah, it, it doesn't feel vibrant. The world doesn't feel fun to live in. Yeah. And I think that's, like, that's the the key here, that when you look for superhero or, like, personally, when I look for superhero films, 
if it's not fun, it has to be it has to be significantly better than if it is fun, mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. that makes sense. So something like The Dark Knight, if The Dark Knight wasn't as good as it was, it would be a bore to yeah, get through. And it absolutely. would be not fun. It'd be like, why am I watching this? I but because it's such a well-told story and the acting is so good and Christopher Nolan has like established these characters in such an interesting way, you're invested in the story even though you're not like quote unquote having fun mm-hmm. with the film. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe if we can move on to Shazam now, yeah, that definitely. that is kind of the saving grace of Shazam. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think about this film? I, I really like Shazam. The tone is completely different from the rest of the DCEU, which makes sense now, hearing after a recent announcement from Warner Bros. that they were going in a different direction with the DCEU. They were going to be going more uh, in standalone films rather than this huge combined universe. Yeah, stopping you just really quickly there, what do you think about that idea? Like, are you... I think it's better than what they have now. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that's, like, what they have to do at this point, because otherwise they'd have to start over completely. Yeah. You know? Okay. But that's something that I really liked about Shazam. You know, it's going in a different direction. It's bright. It's fun. It has, like, a story that you would never see if it was still interconnected in the DCU, I think. Yeah. Because it's about – it's a dark story because, like, it has a homeless kid and he's – He's not homeless. He's a foster well, kid. Well, he, he begins homeless. Because he ran out – yeah, okay, fair. He's yeah. homeless for, like, a week or so. Fine. At least. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, but it begins with a foster kid who is, you know, trying to find his mom and runs into, like, a crazy old wizard who gives him the power to turn into an adult with crazy powers in a crazy-looking suit. And I don't think you would see that in another DCEU movie. Yeah, definitely at least not the way it's told here or, like, the way it's, uh, like, visualized here. Yeah, yeah, for For sure. sure. And as far as the rest of the movie goes, I really like it. First act is a bit generic, mm-hmm. um, but I guess you sort of have to be generic to an extent with an origin story. So that I think they did what they could with that. And Asher Angel, I thought, was really good. Okay. Because he, he carries, I think, the heaviest moments of the movie, where Zachary mm-hmm. Levi, his counterpart as Shazam, carries you know the brighter moments, the more fun moments. He gets to play around a lot, where as Asher has to handle the the darker things. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I agree with you for the most part. This film is just like it's just pure fun. Yeah. Like it doesn't take itself too seriously. Yeah. And it entertains you a lot. Yeah. So I've I thought about this film, it's sort of like a big bowl of craft mac and cheese. <laughs> so it's like when you see it and when you're eating the craft mac and cheese it gives you this like warm feeling it's like comforting food it's very nice and delicious yeah. and yummy but like you're not going to nominate craft mac and cheese for like some sort of food achievement award or anything like Maybe that it's not. it's I'm very much <laughs> it's very much like it's very plain and expected and gooey and like the the film you're right. It doesn't take itself too seriously. I think sometimes it's a little too goofy. Um, I think. I think it really fits, though. Yeah, yeah. So, I think this film is a lot like films like Elf and Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh, it's thinking like Big. Uh, I've never seen Big, oh, okay. but I mean, I think it definitely does have like inspiration from yeah. that, and there's even like a, a reference to it. Yeah. Uh, but like the film's sort of like Spy Kids and Halloween Town, mm-hmm. those kind of things where it's like it's a it's a 
cast of kids and it's telling a story that's just sort of like a fun little romp Mm -hmm. and there's no real sense of danger or stakes or anything like that Mm -hmm. like there's like a cheesy villain who in this doesn't work at all i think any scene that tries to like give us any amount of information about him fails on every conceivable level i think i think like any time that they try to like sympathize him by wasting 15 minutes on a backstory about him like i thought that was terrible and i was just like get back to all the fun stuff yeah i think where this film works really really well is when zachary levi is on screen and getting to play like a role that he was basically born to play. yeah yeah absolutely i think him and then um the kid who plays freddie his uh his foster brother yeah yeah, Jack Dylan Grazier. He's really good. Yeah, they're both good. They have great chemistry together. And what's interesting about this superhero film is that I think the best moments and sort of like the what you would consider normally action set pieces in an action movie mm-hmm. are more comedy set pieces. Yeah. So it's like the best moments in the film are them trying to stop a robbery at a liquor store uh, or like a convenience store or whatever, or them trying to figure out what Shazam's powers are. Uh, and it's like a little montage of that. Like yeah. those to me are the best part of the film and it makes the film so incredibly fun to watch. Yeah. That even if there are certain things that I think don't really work that well, like the villain, um, I think some of the dialogue's a little cheesy. And like you said, especially the first half is very conventional mm-hmm. and it doesn't really work for me. I think I didn't really care for um, Angel. What's his name? Asher Angel. Asher Angel. I didn't care for him for the first half of the film. Yeah. Like, before he became Shazam, I thought he wasn't that believable as an actor. I thought that he was... Everything he said, I was like, oh, you were told to say that. I don't believe that your character is saying that. There was some interactions with him where I was just like... It just felt a little off. But then once he kind of gets the powers of Shazam, which I I wish they had gotten to quicker. Yeah. um, Just because, like, we knew where it was going... And um, it gets so much more fun when Zachary Lee yeah. is on screen. Yeah, and it's but like I mean I sort of buried the lead I think a little bit like I started listing all the negatives uh-huh. but like all of those negatives don't matter because you're just having fun. Yeah. In the film. Yeah. And the other thing that I really like about this film is that not only are you having fun but the characters are having fun. Mm-hmm. Like you can you feel that Freddie and Billy are enjoying what they're doing. And it's this feeling that you don't actually get that often in superhero movies. Yeah, It always feels like superheroes kind of have to, they're doing what they're doing because they have to, or it's the right thing to do, not necessarily because they want to. It's something that like Spider-Man is like very emblematic of, like it should be fun to be Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that recent Spider-Man films like uh, Homecoming and Into the Spider-Verse have done really well that I also think that Shazam does really well mm-hmm. uh yeah that's something that I, yeah i i agree with that when i was watching the movie and seeing freddie interact with uh shazam i was thinking like oh that would be totally be me in this situation if I was yeah like, <laughs> yeah yeah i was like oh that's what i do or he's, like that's hilarious completely nerding out over his friend getting superpowers <laughs> yeah i think um yeah I, I think this film uh is the first dceu film that feels like the film is taking place in a larger superhero filled world yeah right so like they and it's not just like the references there are some references to superman and batman and stuff but it's sort of just like the attitude towards him yes when he shows up yeah Yeah, the the attitude of what it would be like if a little kid like your brother 
just became a superhero. Like, what do you do? You know that superheroes exist and that yeah. and superheroes are an established thing. So there are are tropes that they kind of poke yeah. at. And like Freddie didn't like freak the hell out and be like, oh my God, like what is happening? Yeah, he was and, like, all right, you're a superhero now. <laughs> yeah. And, and there was no like, I don't believe you. Like this yeah, doesn't yeah. make sense. It was like, oh yeah, okay. You're like Superman, yeah, except not as cool. Out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so like that was really refreshing and really nice. It, it, it felt like we got to the point that we wanted to be at a lot quicker. Yeah. Which is something that I feel like origin stories have a huge problem with. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like a lot of origin films, origin stories, you're watching the superhero and then in the last 10 minutes you're like, oh, this is where I want it to be the whole time. Yeah. And if the story is good, like say an Iron Man or something, it's it's worth it. And so sometimes when it's not worth it, like something like, I, I would argue like maybe Ant-Man mm-hmm. or even Man of Steel, those don't have enough of the superhero finally superheroing mm-hmm. for it to pay off. Whereas I feel like this, they're sort of just like, no, we're going to get down right to the superheroing because we don't have to figure out how he makes his costume and we don't have to figure out how the world's going to perceive him and stuff. It's, yeah. it's all just sort of like already baked into the world, yeah. which is really cool. All right. So I have a question for you now. What were your thoughts going into the movie after seeing like previews and stuff? Yeah. So I do my best to like avoid all the marketing. I try and just like watch a single trailer and then that yeah. that's it. That's like a recent thing that I've been doing. I saw this trailer and so the first trailer that I saw, I was like, oh man, it seems choppy it mm-hmm. seems a little unfinished it seems like sort of like a rushed yeah, hack job yeah. and honestly in, in in a way it is a little bit like some of the cgi is not great and the story isn't like anything to write home about mm-hmm. but i was very pleasantly surprised by it because my my reaction was to be like okay i saw man of steel underwhelmed i saw batman versus superman terrible I saw Suicide Squad, also terrible. I saw Justice League, that was a train wreck. (laughs) I heard Wonder Woman was going to be great, and then I ended up not really liking Wonder Woman that much. I have a lot of problems with that film as it falls apart in the third act. So, like, I didn't even like that one, which is supposed to be, you know, the good DCUU film. And then I saw Aquaman, and I was like, okay, we're getting there. It's like, you know, half of a good movie, half of, like, like an iTunes sound player or whatever sound visualizer or whatever but so yeah so i was going into this one with like i'm gonna see it it's a superhero film obviously i'm gonna see it but i wasn't like really looking forward to it Mm -hmm. until i started hearing those initial reactions when people saw it at i think south by southwest Mm -hmm. and then i was like okay maybe this is good i'm gonna go in with reserved but not ridiculously low expectations yeah okay uh when i went into the movie you know i'd seen uh, the in- initial announcement trailer too, and I was pretty skeptical just based on how uh, Shazam looked. Yeah, I th- didn't. You- I remember you like hating the costume. Yeah, I, I thought it looked awful. I yeah. was like, this looks like somebody just put Zachary Levi in one of those ten dollar Power Ranger like muscle costumes for Halloween. Yeah. That's what I compared it to, and I honestly really liked it in the movie. I thought it was. Um, I thought it made sense with the tone of the movie. It was bright and fun. 
and in my head I was picturing it like in the DCEU and I was like <laughs> I, I was picturing him standing next to Ben Affleck's Batman and I was like this doesn't work like yeah. or like next to the Flash because the Flash is supposed to have bright colors and like he doesn't in the DCEU so I, but yeah I loved it and Levi's attitude when he's in the costume you know he's like flapping around his arms trying to fly yeah. I, it, that all makes sense I think with with the the way the costume looks and I was I was like, wow, I'm so glad it didn't turn out looking like, you know, like the X-Men Last Stand costumes or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was a little, like, hesitant to the costume, but I feel like every single time we get one of these superhero films, the first pictures are always something that you kind of need to adjust to. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to give it the benefit of the doubt that something in live action may look better than, mm-hmm. like, in a single picture. But I do agree that, like, in the film, the... It's sort of like a cheesy feel that like works for the yeah, film. Yeah. Yeah. I think something that's interesting about this film is that it feels a lot like a kid's movie. Like yeah. I don't maybe we can talk a little bit more about it in spoilers. There's a couple things that seem out of place in this film because the rest of it is so childlike. And the the main thing that kind of screams child film to me and it feels almost like a pg film is that there's like like billy has a foster family and Mm -hmm. so there's a whole bunch of little kids in it and they like participate in the main fight yeah right or like the the kind of climactic battle they're fighting uh i I do want to keep it vague because i don't want to spoil anything but like they like you know they're they like have like a a golf club and like they're trying (laughs) to fight like something that definitely has supernatural or magic powers and it's like, okay, I can accept that if this is a children's movie because I know that kids are not going to get hurt. Yeah. But that it makes the entire battle have zero stakes or, like, anything like that. I was sort of thinking that, too, but more in the way of, like, they have foster parents, and the foster parents are so absent in this movie, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's very much like one of those, like, oh, you know, the adults – it's like a trope in these kind of, like – children's movies that like the adults don't do anything and the kids yeah yeah, the kids kind of have to band together Mm -hmm. and form a group but in those films there's no emotional like or not even emotional but there's no like you don't feel like there's consequences in the action Mm -hmm. and then some other things in the film make it seem like there should be consequences yeah in the film like basically a lot of these kids should have died in in the climax and i'll i'll explain I, I we can talk about it in spoilers that there's one thing where I was just like that it's kind of ridiculous but like again that is to me sort of like a nitpick like mm-hmm. doesn't doesn't really matter because like the I think the selling point of this film is not the action it's not the you know oh what's next like how does this affect the DCEU what does this mean for Shazam 2 like yeah, none of yeah. that really matters it's oh do you like let's just have fun with these characters hanging yeah, out yeah which is interesting because I felt like after the final battle, I was like, honestly, I would have been okay with no final battle and just had 20 or 30 more minutes of them kind of like wisecracking, and hanging <laughs> out with each other. Yeah, because like any time he had to fight the villain, I was like, this is boring. Yeah. Like, because the action is not that unique or inventive. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think that they like play with his powers that in that cool of ways, at least at an action level. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like in some of the, Marvel films and even like some of the DCU films they have like these 
very well choreographed fights where it's like they're trying to come up with creative ways to use these powers. Yeah, in in the movie's defense, though, I was thinking that Billy Batson was just so inexperienced with these powers that yeah. he was just like a like a baby wearing an Iron Man suit kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's fair. And so I and I also th- agree that like I don't think it's really the point of the film like to yeah. to be an action thing. Yeah. Uh, but because they don't have that action beats, it it needs to very much succeed in telling the story of this kid and like his relationship with his with his foster family and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think the relationship between him and Freddie and then him and his mom and like the foster parents, I think all that's really good. Where I think this film sort of drops the ball is in the characterization of some of the other kids. Yeah. And I do want uh, I just want to talk about it in spoilers so okay. we don't um, <laughs> because yeah, I don't I don't want to ruin anything, but I do have a tiny problem, a uh, biggish problem okay. with that. <laughs> so one of the things that I think we've seen a lot in superhero films is that these big studios like to bring in relatively unknown directors from indie films to helm these giant projects. And my question for every time we see those announcements Mm -hmm. is like, why that guy? Yeah. Usually it's a guy, unfortunately, but like, why that person? Um, Yeah. And the director of this film, David F. Sandberg, previously directed Lights Out, and Annabelle Creation. Mm-hmm. Have you seen either of those? I've seen Annabelle Creation, yeah. My understanding is that they're both horror films? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I don't know about Lights Out, but... Yeah. Lights Out, I'm pretty sure, is like, there's like a group of teenagers that are stuck in a house. Like, they get trapped in this blind guy's house, and the blind guy, like, tries and kills them. Oh, oh wait. No, that's a No, that's movie. Don't Breathe. Yeah, that's Don't Breathe. Never yeah. mind. Never mind. Oh, Lights Out is the one where, like... Like All they the can't, they can't travel. Like the the ghost or whatever can't travel in the light or something. Uh, okay. Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't see it. I've heard Lights Out is actually decent though. I have no idea what Annabelle Creation is. I, I have zero interest in it. Forgettable apparently because I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming it's got a doll in it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Pass. But yeah. So I thought. So I mean, why do you think that they picked this guy, David F. Sandberg? Do you think that he brought anything to this film that like in my head Joe I was Schmo honestly couldn't? I was honestly thinking like they're grasping at straws at this point trying to You think so? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean like I don't want to like crap all over this guy cuz like he did fine. I just I thought that in at least as far as the direction was concerned, this was wildly average. Yeah. And like not very special. Mm-hmm. I guess there's some like demon monster CGI things in the film. So like maybe he maybe they were like, Oh yeah, like we want your help realizing these creepy things. But like if that's the case, he did a really bad job because those things were completely forgettable. Yeah. <laughs> and like not very good. And I don't think they were even trying to scare anything. It's just a bizarre choice, I think, for this type of film. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if I it does happen quite a bit where like horror film directors will come to these bigger budget films and like that aren't really horror films. So like Scott, Scott Derrickson yeah. with Doctor Strange and James, James Wan yeah. with Aquaman. Yeah, James Gunn, he sort of did. I mean, yeah, he did some other stuff, Slither, but right? Slither is a horror yeah. film. But yeah, I, I don't know. This guy didn't strike me as a person that had any type of like directorial flourishes mm-hmm. that made me str- think that like only he could tell a Shazam story. So yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, okay. 
You know what time it is? Oh, I think so. <laughs> it is time for me to nitpick the crap out of Shazam's superpowers. Great. You are our comic book expert, oh, so I am going to ask you a billion questions about how Shazam's powers works. Yeah. Because the idea here is that Billy Batson is what? He's like 12 or something, 14? Sure. Okay. And so <laughs> and so he... Falling apart already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is not, not looking good for you. So he... When he says the magic word Shazam, a bolt of lightning comes down from the heavens and strikes him where he stands, and he emerges out of this bolt of lightning as a fully grown man played by Zachary Levi, and he like his his clothes change and he's now a superhero and he's strong and stuff like that, right? So that brings up a lot of questions, and ultimately they mean nothing. So yeah. I understand that and that we have to take some suspension of disbelief. But a lot we, of it. And yeah, also yeah. all of my answers are completely unverified and <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> so I I think guessing. I think this ridiculously long list of questions came uh from a conversation that we had on the way back from the film because yeah. uh I had some questions about a scene where Billy is unable to turn into Shazam because his face is underwater. And so I guess when he says Shazam, it sort of comes out as Shazam. And which I guess, doesn't sound like Shazam. Which doesn't sound like Shazam, yes. So then that leads me to believe that it doesn't matter the intent of mm-hmm. what the person wants. It only matters what... The execution of it. The, the execution. So yeah. whatever this power that is transforming Billy into Shazam is sort of like an Alexa that's just always listening and sitting around and waiting it's always picking up yeah yeah like everything that's being said and it's waiting for the correct fluctuations of the air to exactly. sound exactly that's a great way like of thinking of it shazam it's a yeah. magic magic alexa so yeah. it's a magic alexa that when you it hears something that's close enough to shazam mm-hmm. it'll send a lightning bolt to this kid and then turn him into shazam yeah right so my question here based on this is that is it the sound waves that trigger the magic, or is it the actual act of saying Shazam? I am going to say because if that. it's because if it's the sound waves, then why can't why can't someone just well why can't someone just say Shazam with a phone like that sounds exactly like Billy saying Shazam, and then they just get electrocuted? Would that happen? No. No? Why? Because it's not the person saying it. Okay, so what if, like, whoever was given the powers of Shazam has an accent? So instead of saying Shazam, he says Shazam. It's them saying the word Shazam. Yeah, but Billy is underwater saying Shazam as well. It's just sounds, it's arguably like an underwater accent. So if Billy is, so so if they were give, if they I'm gave the say powers. When to, they are given if, the powers, whatever their normal voice sounds like when they say the word Shazam is what the magic needs to hear. Okay, so what if Billy has like a mouthful of saltines and like he's like eating and he's like Shazam. That if, would if, work. The, if the word Shazam gets out, I would say But but like the word the word Shazam does get out when he's underwater. I don't he think says it Shazam. Does. That doesn't make sense. Okay, what if Billy has a sore throat? Or what if Billy loses his teeth and he can no longer say Shazam? I'm gonna say that uh it, it'll still work in both situations. He'll need his tongue, though. Yeah, so if they cut out his tongue, then he can't say... He can uh, never turn I'm, into I'm, Shazam. I'm going to say that he can't. Okay, so what about, like, let's say somebody who isn't Billy uh-huh. gets 
like is is worthy enough of getting these Shazam powers. Okay. What <laughs> what if that person is mute? So they can't just mouth Shazam? I think they might have to sign it or something. Sign it? Yeah. Like sign Shazam? Yeah, yeah. Does Shazam have like a like a translation in different languages? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Okay. So so there are different it's, ways to say it. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. magic. Okay. <laughs> so fine. <laughs> fine. Okay. So my so I guess that answers all of my Yeah, that answers uh, a lot of your questions, doesn't it? That it's answers magic. Yeah, that answers all of my sound wave related questions. Okay. I have some other questions. Okay. Lightning based questions. Got it. Because the lightning comes down from the heavens and strikes Billy and he turns into Shazam, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens if Billy's in space and says Shazam? Um it comes up from the heavens. I don't know. I it don't could... think there's direction in space. So I'm going to I'm going to say it just comes down on him. <laughs> so it comes down on him? Like like it comes from Earth and lightning bolts out to space? I don't space? think it comes down from Earth. I think it comes from wherever like, Oh, like it just like vertically a, up yeah. from him and it sure. just always comes straight down? In my – I am not positive on it. <laughs> what but, if he's – But on a, I think the lightning if, is from Zeus. What if he's on a different planet that has less of an atmosphere than Earth so he can't – Well, actually, what if – well, could he even say Shazam in space because there's no place for the sound waves to propagate? Yes, We're getting back can. to sound he, waves. He, he, he can. Uh, that's happened he, in a comic? Yeah, I feel because, like... because that, that uh, whole no sound in space thing doesn't fly in comics. Oh. <laughs> well, uh, the, okay. I mean, if you're just going to throw physics out the window, that, that ruins a lot of my questions. If Billy, Okay, so what if happens if Billy is wearing a rubber suit when he says Shazam? Will he turn into Shazam? Like, does he have to be struck by the lightning itself, or is the lightning sort of like this mask? The, yeah, the lightning is magic, so it works. Oh, uh, okay, so it's magic lightning, so it it doesn't it it's not conducted by rubber or whatever. It, it doesn't follow okay. the normal properties of a. a okay. Electricity. What happens if he's underground? I'm gonna have like to what say. If, what if he's like fighting mole people? Yeah, I'm gonna say again. Um, it's it magic, goes, so it goes. <laughs> these are these are boring answers. Down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. Moving on, does Shazam age? Like, does Shazam himself age? I know this answer because, uh, you know, is he has an arch nemesis called Black Adam. Yeah. And Black Adam, in his true form, is thousands of years old, oh. but he appears to be like a middle aged guy. And there's a storyline in the comics: Black Adam turns back into his normal self and just like dies within a few minutes. So a few minutes. Yeah. I feel like it'd be quicker than that. It, but whatever. I mean, whatever. A few minutes, a one-page flip. I don't know. Yeah, true. <laughs> Time's weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so then, does Billy age when he's Shazam? Like, like does Billy's body age when he's Shazam? If he spends a year in yeah. the life of Shazam, yeah. will he turn out to be older? I'm gonna say yeah, because I, I think. Well, that, then where does he I get all the food? How, I think that's how Black Adam aged then. You know, because he 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 stayed in his Black Adam form and his other body aged. Oh, okay. So, what if Billy gets older than the age that Zachary Levi is? So, like, and then he says Shazam when he's seventy. Does he turn back into Zachary Levi? You know, they do his... amazing things with de aging and CGI nowadays. I think uh, they're gonna be okay. Okay. If Shazam <laughs> eats a hamburger, will Billy poop it out? You know, <laughs> that's a good question. I'm gonna say yeah. 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 
So what if I'm assuming that she's just, since Shazam is quite a bit bigger than Billy, yeah. What happens if Shazam eats a whole bunch of food and fills his stomach up, and then he turns back into Billy? Does that food explode and then he ruptures his tummy? No, no. Um, it's magic. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Foiled again. <laughs> I don't like these answers. Okay, finally, last one then. Okay. So when Billy transforms into Shazam in the film, yeah. he loses all his clothes and gets the new Shazam clothes, yes. right? So presumably those clothes go somewhere. What happens if Billy has a phone in his pocket when he transforms into Shazam? Where does the phone go? Does it lose battery during the time that he is Shazam? Or does it stay in some sort of weird stasis? I think it's in a limbo somewhere. Yeah. So what if he has like a small mouse in his pocket? I'm going to say it goes with Billy. Um, No, no. I'm going to say it goes into Shazam's hand when he comes. What? No, no. But like, like if he has a, if he has it like in his pocket of his yeah, pants. yeah. I think it magically goes into his hand when he changes. I... All right. This was not as rewarding as I. Okay, actually, actually, if Billy gets a tattoo, does Shazam also have that same tattoo? No. What? How? No. Okay. <laughs> Fine. All right. That's all I have. <laughs> Basically, so the answer to all of this is magic. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Fine. Fair. Well, you've really bummed me out here a little bit. I thought I was hoping to... what I'm here for. I was (laughs) was really hoping to get some gotcha moments, but I guess it didn't work. So do you want to move into spoilers? Yeah, let's do it. To the the two (laughs) people that, like, endured that uh, and are still listening? Yeah. Okay. So um, let's let's just... uh, Concluding statement, do you recommend this? What do you rate this? Um, I'm going to rate it I'm going to rate it a 7 7 and a half. 7. I'm going to rate it a 7. Yeah, final answer. Do you have any descriptor? Oh, yeah, if yeah, definitely. If you're a big fan <laughs> of uh if you're a big fan of the DCEU, I wouldn't go to see it. Um Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would uh reevaluate your options and I don't know start over um (laughs) but if you're a big fan of like i don't want to say the mcu because that sounds a little biased but (laughs) if if you're if you're a fan of like comedy and just sort of fun movies then i would go i would go see it just know that you're in for a pretty basic origin story for the most part yeah yeah i think i'm gonna give this one a 7.5 and I was, like, trying to debate, like, oh, do I give it a 7? Do I give it an 8? I don't know. I didn't want to give it a 7.5 because I gave Captain Marvel a 7.5. Yeah. Which is a little ironic because this Shazam used to be called Captain Marvel. and it, he, I don't want to get into he, that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> little little fun fact that's, like, pretty well known. But, um, but yeah, I think this is a, a solid 7.5 film. I, I really enjoyed it. And I think if you go in with the right attitude, right attitude – you will also really enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. It's got some goofy things. It's got some things that like aren't going to work if you're looking for a serious grounded superhero film. But for something that just like makes you laugh mm-hmm. and is fun, I think that you know 75% of the film really, really works. Yeah, it's a fun movie. Yeah. And um, there are some fun like twists and turns in this that you should do your best to avoid hearing about before the film because it's it's exciting when those twists and turns happen yeah for sure so as with any movie i think yeah yeah for sure okay so let's go ahead and move on to spoilers for shazam 
That's my secret, Cat. I'm always angry. I hope nobody's listening who's seen this because I think this was one of the coolest moments that I got to experience without knowing anything about it. It's the reveal that all of Billy's foster kids can also turn into Shazam because Billy has given them the powers of Shazam. Mm -hmm. And so in the final fight, when they're all fighting Mark Strong's terrible villain that I can't bother to remember the name of and his seven deadly sins monsters, they all get to be different iterations of Shazam. So they all kind of get older and turn into like their peak selves and they all band together as a family to fight the villains. What did you think about this? What was your reaction when this happened? I really liked seeing uh, the whole Shazam family come together in this, mostly because I have experience with them from the comics uh, in recent iterations of Shazam in DC Comics. They had the whole Shazam family. And as soon as I saw all of those foster kids um, hanging out together and you know, going on the adventure to the cave, I was like, something's. I thought something was going to happen in the cave. Oh, when they really? Went for the first time, I thought something was going to happen there when they like find a staff or something, okay. and, and do it there. But it was it was still a really really nice culmination at the end. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was completely blindsided by this. <laughs> I think you could tell from my reaction yeah, yeah. in the theater. <laughs> I like like smacked you. I was like, dude, dude, and you were like, yeah, I know. It's the it's the Marvel family, and I was like. You knew, like, yeah, I, I was just not expecting this at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was very, very exciting. But. But. Yeah, I do have a little bit of an issue with it from a story perspective. Okay. Because I thought it was exciting and, like, at the, like in the moment it was cool and fun. But as far as, like, payoff for the characters – I didn't really care about these characters and getting power and like them getting powers with the exception of Freddy. Freddy, yeah. Like it was exciting to, because I feel like you know Freddy as a character throughout the film. You know that he struggles with feeling noticed and and you see that he like, he kind of has that really, really touching moment with Shazam where he's kind of yelling at him like, yeah, like of course I want this to be me. Like, mm-hmm. of course I'm jealous of you. Like, look at me, I'm crippled. Yeah. Like, that all that stuff was like that I was mean, heavy. You see yeah. it coming, but it's really, really effective emotionally. So like getting to see him be a superhero is like, oh good, like I like this for a character moment. But all the other characters, like you don't know, you don't know anything about them. I would challenge you to think come up with their names. Can you? No. Yeah. I can't. So it's like Besides Mary, I can't. No. Yeah. Yeah. So to me it it feels a little unearned and it, it feels like there should have been a lot more moments like the moment between Shazam and Freddy or even the moment between Shazam and Mary yeah. where they're talking to, to kind of like flesh out the characters so that when they turn into these characters, it feels like a rewarding experience from a character level, not just from a, oh, crap, I can't believe these characters are here now. Playing de- devil's advocate against you, I would say that it made sense that you know Shazam didn't have these moments with the other foster kids because – Billy blew them off for the majority of the movie. He didn't want to be a part of this family. He was only, you know, hanging out with Freddy because Freddy knew about superheroes and stuff. It didn't make sense story-wise to me 
for him to have all these moments with with each of these kids. Yeah, and so I think then that sort of becomes a problem of like, well, then why do why do like I don't believe that they are a family. Like Billy sort of just kind of one eighties, and the second that his mom is like, I don't want you, he's like, well, fine, yeah. I've got my own family. Like that, all that felt a little sloppy to me, and I think if this film was sort of building up to the idea of like making this super family or like Mm -hmm. showing the Marvel family, it would have been kind of cool to at least see like these characters, even if they weren't with Shazam sort of like apart and dealing with some things. Yeah. And then like maybe during the film, you're like, why do I care about this? Like, why do I care about Eugene's problem? Or like, why do I care that this kid is upset at school or whatever? And then you then when everything comes to a head, you're like, oh, that's why I care. And mm-hmm. like, I, I'm i now happy to see these characters come off. And like, yeah, like I'm happy to see these characters be happy. Yeah. I will agree it was a bit rushed, but yeah, I, 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 I think that... I mean, the film doesn't have necessarily have time for it. Yeah, no, it doesn't. But I, I think the family coming together at the end was a lot more... More than Billy realizing that this was his family, it was, like, his family coming to help Billy, you know? Okay. Yeah, I just, because I feel they, like... they felt like they were they were his family the whole movie. Yeah, it just, like, why? Like, because they have to? Because they're told to? Like, it, it doesn't feel like because they have they any... Because they relate with him. But, like, know? they don't really have any moments together. Like, they don't spend any time together. Like, you think about something like Guardians of the Galaxy, where it's, like, five... Is there five of them? Root, Rocket, Drax, yeah. Starlight. Yeah, the five of them come together after, like, spending essentially an entire film together, like, bickering and fighting. And, like, then they realize that they are the family that they need. And even even more so in, in Volume 2, like, mm-hmm. they they realize that they need each other. I didn't feel like this film showed Billy needing the family other than him finally realizing that, oh, yeah, like, well, this is my sloppy seconds or, like, second choice kind of thing. Like, yeah. they didn't spend any time together other than Freddie and Billy, yeah. which where I think, like, if they had saved... I mean, I'm not saying they should do this because the moment itself was exciting, but, like, had they saved the reveal that all of the kids can, can eventually turn and they just turned Freddie, mm-hmm. like, that would have felt like a very specific character moment that was, like, oh, holy crap, like, we've seen this character grow and go through all this stuff and now it's paying off yeah i think that would have been more effective okay the other thing that they could have done which like a film like pacific rim does where there's like all these groups of different people and like you don't really know any of them but like it doesn't matter because you don't need to know them because the selling point is the action Mm -hmm. right and so like if the action is crazy and fun enough and like unique enough then i don't really have to be invested in these characters but because the action is very like ho hum and blah, like they're all just worse special effects Superman. Yeah. So like it's nothing I haven't seen before, or or worse special effects Flash. Like because the action isn't like oh my god I'm blown away like it's so worth it to see all these characters fighting together. Because that's not special, I feel like the emotional payoff needs to be special, and I don't think it's quite special enough. Yeah, I would no, I would agree with that. So. But I mean, yeah, still for like for like a, you know, a children's movie, which again is what I think this is and what I'm kind of looking at it as, I think it's fine. Yeah, and fun. And it did do. 
I, I think as good as it could have done in the time. Yeah, this movie is surprisingly long. It actually didn't feel as long as it was. I looked it up. It's like two hours and 12 minutes. That's pretty long. That, yeah, yeah, it does not feel that long at all. But what's crazy is they, they could have cut out the first 15 minutes. Like, I did not need to see the story of yeah. Dr. Whatever Mark Strong. name was, yeah. Yeah, like, that. all that stuff was, like, terrible like i can't stress how terrible that was it was a pain to watch but like then then once you get to like the scenes that we should meant like the gas station scene or the joke about not being able to hear a villain monologue when yeah, you're like a mile yeah. apart all that was great oh yeah that was so funny <laughs> yeah that that made me laugh so hard i wish it almost did more of that in mm-hmm. the final fight because sometimes they do try and have these like quote-unquote badass moments in the fight mm-hmm. and they're just not that badass it's like they do these slow-mo things that they did in wonder woman which they got from Zack snyder and all those moments are like not very good it's no. not like oh damn it's there's nothing nearly as cool as wonder woman in no man's land mm-hmm. slow-mo resisting bullets there's yeah. nothing as cool shot that way so i don't really know why they like yeah i, I agree the the slow-mo sort of threw me for a loop there yeah what did you think about the seven deadly sins so forgettable yeah i thought they were just like w- glorified weapons yeah so at the end of the film they kind of mark strong has like the sins inside him mm-hmm. and then they like go out and attack all the kids but like he keeps one in him to like give him a healing power and make him super strong. Yeah. And that one's envy. And so Zachary Levi or Shazam, I guess, he taunts him out. Yeah, he yeah. taunts Envy out. He's like, Oh, like all all the other sins are like fighting outside, like They're not so you, strong, Envy, because yeah, you're yeah. so pathetic and mm-hmm. small and it like gets him out to attack him. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was cool too, but that was the only time yeah. any of the sins acted in character. Yeah, and like also none of the like designs of any of those CGI sins like Made had anything sense. to do yeah. with the sin. I agree. Yeah, there was Glut- like I guess gluttony, gluttony was kind of fat. fat. That was it. <laughs> yeah, but it would have been cool if they had to like use the sin against them to yeah to defeat them, them in sin specific ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was all just blah. Or if the sins had like a sin specific attack. Yeah, or, like, anything to distinguish them so that you could be like, like oh. What, what was that like, one with four arms? I can't even remember. Yeah, what, like, or, like, oh, did, Mary Marvel arms? is fighting greed because yeah. greed is doing this. Like, yeah. you know, it. it's, like, not that hard either. No, like, yeah. there's plenty of films that have the seven deadly sins as, like, personified yeah. things. Yeah. Like, just borrow. Just borrow from one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. So, yeah, that was sort of frustrating. As far as, and again, I think we're just sort of nitpicking here. Like, No, that was for, annoying. If you're going to use the seven deadly sins, you that's true. You but have them be seven. I guess deadly I'm sins. saying like these problems don't like ruin the film for me. Like because that I'm, ruined the villains for me. Well, yeah, but like again, I've already checked out at this point <laughs> for anything that has to do with the villains or the action. Fair, fair. And I'm just like, oh, like give me a couple more jokes and yeah. this is funny. Yeah. So the thing I, I like sort of vaguely mentioned in the not spoiler part was there is a scene like halfway through the movie. When Mark Strong comes up and he, like, takes his father's company and he unleashes all the sins into the boardroom. Yeah. And those things just go to town and, like, bite people's heads off. But and there's kill no and blood. Stuff. Yeah, but, like, it, whatever. That's fine. They cut away from it. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a little ridiculous. But they show that, okay, these things kill people. Yeah. And then the sins 
capture the kids at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah, they take the kids, or so like the kids come and they're like, oh, we gotta like make a distraction. And like they all run away and the sins go after them. And catch them immediately. Yeah, <laughs> instantly. It's almost hilarious. Yeah. But like they just like pick them up. And, and like I was like, no, they no, would just no, like dead. drive a knife through <laughs> yeah. that little girl's heart. Like <laughs> that was the part where I was like, oh, this is, yeah. this is like Halloween Town yeah. or Spy Kids where like there's a villain and like there's action, but none of it matters yeah. like it's all silly so that part didn't really work for me i was like this is kind of stupid yeah i know i agree <laughs> that was stupid okay so something that's super small and super nitpicky that i had <laughs> was it. um there's a recurring object and image in the in the movie that is a tiger you know in the beginning of the movie oh yeah billy you told ba- me billy this. batson wants uh, a stuffed tiger from this game that he and his mom are playing at and then for the rest of the movie uh, I think there are like two other places a tiger appears one is on one is on Billy's backpack which was just sort of a nod I think to his name is Talkie Tawny uh, the tiger from the comics and animated series and stuff he's been in a lot he's sort of Billy Batson and Captain Marvel's tiger sidekick (laughs) <laughs> okay. Um, is the, he it, like an actual tiger, or is he like like a ghost tiger, like a spirit tiger? He's appeared as a lot as a lot of different things. You know, he okay. he's appeared as a tiger with a human body in like a full suit. Um, yeah, <laughs> he's appeared as. So you mean like in Kung Fu Panda or something? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and he's appeared as like just a giant badass tiger that just fights things with uh, Captain yeah. Marvel. And I wish there was just something like more with him because he's like a, a magical tiger sidekick <laughs> and I think that would have been so cool to see. Yeah, I guess I'm with, guessing... I guess with the CGI that's been yeah. going on in the movie, I don't want to see that. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing it's like a budget <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I, I guess I appreciated the nods to it. I just wish he appeared. <laughs> <laughs> So I have one question for you. Okay. As our comic book expert. Oh god. Why did the wizard choose Billy? It didn't seem like he was particularly the best choice yeah, so, for the moment. So from from my knowledge in the comics, I I thought Billy was like the the one that was chosen. I don't know if they changed things for the movie. Mhm. Um but it they they made it seem like in the movie like, you know, the wizard was dying. He was just like he just needed somebody, so he, he, just, like, oh, he just grabbed oh, yeah. this kid. You know? Yeah, but like, but like, even so, of the billions of people on the planet at that given moment, he picked Billy. Magic. Like, okay, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not accepting that one because it, like, yeah, okay. I mean, I guess maybe he just like saved his brother by like, you know, beating well, I mean, the crap if he chose out of somebody some bullies. else. Then it would be, then we'd probably be following the story of that person. I think it was random in this movie. Okay. Uh, yeah, so just like coincidence. Yeah. Okay, I, I guess I can accept that. Fine, fair, whatever. I, I did think that I, was I didn't a like little. It. Yeah, I, I thought it was a little like. I thought they were gonna do something to, to like show that yeah. Billy. Yeah, because Billy's kind of a jerk. Yeah, in is. this film for the most part, but. Okay. Maybe he saw the potential. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? I don't know. Because he said to But even so, like he there's to, gotta be somebody that has more potential than Billy. We don't know that. Okay. I mean what what the wizard Shazam said to forgettable villain 
is, you know, you're not worthy. You'll never be worthy. I think he's able to tell if somebody yeah. is able to be worthy or not in the future. Yeah. Okay. That's my explanation. Yeah, I guess. I just feel, feel like <laughs> Billy did a pretty piss poor job given that he was like their last final ditch effort because he like accidentally electrocuted out. a bus and then as far as physics is concerned murdered all those people on that bus but, but as that's far as fine. magic is concerned he didn't yeah whatever you know what <laughs> fine i'm like scared to ask this question because the answer might be because magic but why do you think this play this film took place during christmas releases in april i, I want to say the magic of christmas i hate you <laughs> <laughs> family I I believe that one. Like, it's got a family thing. It it didn't make sense though. Family comes Um, together at Christmas. (laughs) All right. That's why Billy turned back back to uh, loving his foster family because it was Christmas time. Because he was gonna get presents, and he was like, "Oh, I'll be nice to my family for now, and then I'll turn into a dick again." That's it. And it's like not Christmas time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the post credit scenes. There's two. Yeah. The first one is the more interesting one, Mm -hmm. right? Can you wager a guess of what happens in that? I have no idea what happens. Basically, Dr. Forgettable is in his cell scribbling random magic symbols. symbols, Yeah. And then a talking caterpillar starts talking to him. Yeah. And the caterpillar was in Shazam's cave earlier in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. He was like trapped in a a thing. Yeah. Which makes me think when I first heard the voice coming from the caterpillar, I thought it was. The Brain, who's a villain in DC Comics. Yeah, but and now, I've seen him in, like, Teen Titans. Yeah, yeah. But now that I'm remembering that he was in Shazam's cave, I'm thinking that it can't be him because it probably has some sort of, like, magical source of power, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I honestly have no idea who it was. Yeah, I, I, I did find an article that suggested that it's Mr. Mind, okay. but I have no idea who that is. Sure. Do you know anything about that character? No. Maybe we should have done our research on that one, but whatever. It's, it's, it sort of reminded me of Alan you know, Rickman and Alice in Wonderland. No, I was, was going to say the post-credit scene of Jesse Eisenberg that will never come to fruition. Oh, you don't think this? Will, so you don't think this will come to fruition? You don't think there's going to be a Shazam two? Do you want a Shazam two? I want a Shazam two. Yeah, I do too. I thought. I. I mean, I'm excited to see how this guy plays. It just in reminded the world. me of that exact same post-credit scene. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that this suggests that if we do get a Shazam two, it's gonna be real weird. <laughs> yeah, like a talking caterpillar. It's maybe we could get our talking tiger in that one. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Who knows? So then the second post credit scene is just like a gag thing. Like Marvel does this all the time. I the reason I want to talk about it is because it's a gag about Aquaman, and it's. I saw a TV spot the next day, mm-hmm. and it was in the TV spot. Oh, really? Yeah, like the TV spot was like – it like stitched together every single one of the references to all the other DCU characters. Huh. And I was like, it makes this seem like super um, indulgent. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like super indulgent and be like, oh, yeah, like we're – and it really wasn't. There was a couple things that were kind of funny, haha, but like it really hey, did stand alone on itself. The was a huge plot device. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, it's not like, oh, crap, I have to know where that battering comes from for yeah, this no, to make no, sense. No. You, know, you know, it's like, it was fine. <laughs> so what what do you think about the Superman cameo? Um, I thought it was 
pretty funny that they didn't show his face because that was just them being like, yeah, we have no idea who's going to be Superman. Really? You think <laughs> I thought it was just that like Henry Cavill was like, no, yeah, I don't want to do this. So they just got a body double. Oh, OK. I bet, yeah, I mean, I guess it's two sides of the same coin. Like, yeah. they don't have Henry Cavill anymore. Cav- Henry Cavill doesn't want to be there. <laughs> yeah, Henry Cavill was like, I can't be bothered to dress in this. Yeah. Like, excuse me, I'm doing The Witcher for Netflix. Like, thank you, but no thanks. So, yeah, they there's imagine, a superhero. Can you imagine turning down being Superman? <laughs> yes, if I started Man oh, of I guess, Steel yeah, afterwards. Yeah, I guess if you're associated Or Man Justice Steel, League. Yeah. Oh, man, that was a train wreck. This is the second podcast in a row that we like finish with crapping on justice league that's but fine yeah i think we can make that like a podcast tradition because mm-hmm. that movie was wildly disappointing i would love that <laughs> okay uh anything else you want to talk about uh no that's about it for shazam for shazam awesome so let's just move on to our point two section ian what have you been watching recently uh so i haven't finished it yet but i've been watching the second season of the I guess rebooted Queer Eye. Um, oh yeah, ne- I guess on, technically it is a reboot. Yeah, on Netflix. You know, I I've been liking it for the same reasons I like season one. It makes me cry at some points. There's some great designing going on, which I'm really into. I'm a big fan of HGTV. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you, mom. Um, but there there is an issue that. I've heard come up a few times with this show is that they don't know how to act around people who aren't wealthy. Yeah, I brought this up to you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, this Um, was my complaint in season one. And and it comes up again really uncomfortably in a few spots. There's a person living in a trailer. Oh, so I've wait. Actually, let me just say I've seen the first episode, and I think that's the second episode, that's the second right? Episode. I've seen half of the second episode. I was just like doing it, yeah. watching it while doing work. Yeah. So there's this guy who's a camp counselor. He divorces. He divorces wife. He has to live in a trailer to basically survive. And the Fab Five, as they're called, you know, this team that comes in to remake people's lives, they step outside of this trailer and they just start making fun of it. They just start like. <laughs> crapping on this guy's whole life they're yeah like, they're like you can't live here and like in my head i'm like he has no other option like yeah he he, he said that he doesn't want to live there like he said that in the interview <laughs> like, yeah don't make fun of him for this <laughs> yeah i i feel like that happens a lot in like season one and two where yeah. they're like they like waltz into this house and it's like two working class people and like three kids and they're like oh my god you don't have time to like clean up this place it's yeah like, Dude, some people have jobs and like some people can't afford avocado toast. Yeah. Anthony. Yeah. Like <laughs> it, it, there's an episode I just watched last night that was you know, the avocados girl, are expensive. This girl was like, you know, most of what I've been eating recently is ramen. It's all I can afford. And Anthony is like, "Oh my god, is this what you eat?" <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> he like yeah. takes a bite of it and, and is like, you know, this tastes really good, but it's so bad for you. <laughs> and she's like, I know. Yeah, it's twelve cents. <laughs> yeah, yeah and that kind of thing just makes me so uncomfortable. It, and I, I wish the show would do better with that. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. It's it's a little. I mean, it's it's interesting because it's not made for the people that they are. Like, it's not made for the type of people that they are re- remodeling or like 
revamping or whatever like the like the middle class not middle class well yeah middle class middle america like probably republican people like Mm -hmm. the show isn't for them it's for liberals to like to like watch and enjoy and it's like really enjoyable and everything like that. there are a lot of liberals in the show oh yeah you're right you're right but i feel like there's like a there's like a if you like cliched the show it'd be like every episode is they find a person that has an opinion that's decidedly not liberal Mm -hmm. but not so conservative that they can't change their mind season two isn't like that at all i've seen season two no, I don't. I don't. I don't think it's like that at all. Really? I'm like five episodes in, and oh wait, oh season three, you mean? Oh, season three. Oh, okay, okay. So I've been I was talking like... about season three. Okay, yeah. Have you seen season two? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but but it's very much like oh let's well like even in the first episode of season three, it's like oh let's pick these people that live on a farm that like use guns, yeah. which is like a conservative thing, but like like it's it's like a very like centralist type of right-wing person yeah i mean i mean that they focus on that family is very pro-gun control too yeah 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 Yeah. like i i really like the show but it is like it it's got a formula how many times did you cry this season i think i've only cried in one episode of queer eye Um, it was the one where the dad uh the kid comes out to his stepmom oh yeah i I cried in that one yeah that, Um, that one's brutal that one's so sweet the the episode I watched last night made me cry. It was um about they were remaking this guy whose wife just died of breast cancer. Oh. And he was like moving to a new house because that's like what she wanted him to that was like one of her last wishes. Was, oh, to, that's was sweet. to get his it was to get like the family into a better like place. Hmm. Yeah. Oh cute. And that was brutal. <laughs> okay, well, I'll, I'll let you know <laughs> if I cry in that one when I get to it. Yeah. So what I've been watching is the uh, Netflix film called Triple Frontier. Have yeah. you heard of this? Yeah, I've heard of it, but I don't know much about it. So tell yeah, about so it. it's directed by J.C. Chandor, if that means anything to you. It doesn't mean anything to me because I don't know who that is. No. But basically this film is like just a classic action thriller, trucks, guns, violence kind of like – film that just happens to be really really good and really interesting oh. and entertaining okay. and tense so it's basically um like six or seven or five or something ex-military guys they get together and they go and fly down to the triple frontier which is like the border area of brazil peru and argentina i want to mm-hmm. say i might be wrong i'm not looking at like a summary or anything um and their goal is to go to this drug dealer's like mansion and kill the drug dealer who is like, oh, not a drug dealer, but a drug lord uh, in Brazil. They're gonna kill him and then take all his money. And then so the film kind of involves this heist of them like infiltrating his house, getting all the money and then taking it uh, and getting it back to the United States by bringing it to the coast. Okay. And it's just really tense. It's really fun. It's gorgeously shot. Uh, it feels like it's shot on location and like it feels like I'm almost positive, like, when they blow up a building, like, they actually blew up a building. Oh, really? Yeah, wow. yeah. So, like, like there's, like, one scene where it's kind of, like, filming and they're doing a raid on, like, a – it's, like, an opening scene. Mm-hmm. They're doing a raid on this building, and one of the characters just, like, plops a grenade into, like, a grenade launcher and kind of launches a grenade into the house, and the house just explodes. And, like, you see it from far away, so it's not, like – it's not fake. 
Like it's they definitely blew something up, and then maybe wow. there's some special effects and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it feels very real and raw. And then like the thing I thought was pretty cool was that like these characters. It's Ben Affleck, Oscar Isaac. Oh, really? Uh, Pedro Pascal, Garrett Hedlund, and uh, the guy from Pacific Rim that looks like Garrett Hedlund, Charlie Hunnam. Okay. They all. Wow. Uh, there might be another one. That's a much better cast than I thought. It yeah, was but it's be. a really good cast, and they are all characters that like. I feel like it's interesting that you actually get to know every single one of them, and you care about each single one. It's not like you know you get huge backstories and that they're mm-hmm. like wildly different people, but there's enough where they have like personality traits and quirks and stuff where they're like, where they're they're each doing things, and you're like, oh, like I believe that that character would do this, and this seems on brand for that character. Yeah, and like I don't want this character to die. I also don't want this character to die. I understand these characters' motivations, all of that. And then the other thing I really like about it is that I feel like a lot of these sort of like thrillers, things like Jason Bourne mm-hmm. and stuff, while they're like really interesting, I feel like for 80% of the movie, I have no idea what's going on. Yeah. Like it's like, especially it's in like, <laughs> oh, like we need to do X and then it's like, okay. The plot what? is just a vehicle to get to an action scene. Yeah. But it's like, <laughs> it's like, what is X and what, what is the stakes if we fail X and what is the outcome of X? Yeah. And like. In this, every single thing that happens, you know exactly what they're doing, mm-hmm. exactly why they're doing it, what happens if they fail, and what happens if they succeed. Mm-hmm. So it's very clearly laid out that you know what each obstacle is and what it means if they fail for that obstacle. That sounds great. Yeah, it's it's I, I really liked it. The ending's a little anticlimactic, and it sort of falls apart at the end a little bit. I'll stop so, watching there, then. No, no, no. But I mean, <laughs> but And it does feel a little long towards the end but uh yeah i i really recommend this one it's it's great awesome it's and it's on netflix so it's it's easy to watch yeah i'll watch that then. okay so this has been our review of shazam if the listeners would like to follow you online ian where can they find you you can follow me at i anderson on twitter the o is a zero yeah it is and you can follow me on twitter at mgrohl9 And you can always reach out to us at our email, moviemarathonerspod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear any feedback about what we can do to improve the podcast. And then you can also find more episodes of this podcast on moviemarathoners.poddean.com, as well as on iTunes where you can subscribe and rate our podcast. So thank you all for listening, and we hope you'll join us again next time when we run through Hellboy. Until then, bye. Shazam! Oh my god. We're not ending on that. Are we? Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotis, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever you know i think the pause right there is probably more important than the word amazing athletes like boxing champion buster douglas when a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up that's when i knew it was over yeah Yeah. right and yes bigfoot chasers do you believe in bigfoot and if so does he really eat beef jerky (laughs) the bigfoot thing is people have seen these and and i've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it it's whiskey business with dino chipotas join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour 
You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.